Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and I'm so glad you are tuning in today as we are talking all about the season of parenthood of having a toddler. I invited my friend and colleague, Guyana, onto the podcast. Her and I have toddlers that are almost exactly the same age, so we are definitely in it together. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she specializes in supporting women and mothers when it comes to preparing for postpartum and those early years of parenthood. This episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth. So Cozy Earth reached out. They sent me one of their loungewear jogger sets to try on, and I did, and I didn't take it off for three days. Literally, my husband was like, hey, babe, I'm about to do a load of laundry. Do you want me to wash that? And I was like, oh, really? I've got to take this off. But yes, it is so comfortable, truly. I'll put a link in the show notes for exactly the jogger set that I wear now whenever it's clean um, around the house. So comfortable and also super cute to wear out and about. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things. All their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo, and all their products come with a 10-year warranty. So beyond loungewear, they also make really breathable and luxurious bedding. Such a perfect gift, whether it's for upcoming Valentine's Day, if you're listening to this episode when it goes live, or for a birthday or another holiday. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for you, the Holding Space listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use the code Dr. Cassidy 35. All right, you ready to dive into this conversation about being a parent to a toddler? Let's go. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Guyana. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and chat with me today all about parenting toddlers and the toddler season of life. You felt like the perfect person to chat with about this topic because we are in it together right now. We have toddlers that are around the same age, right? Yes. We, I remember that you mentioned your due date and I was like, wait a second, that's my due date. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, so we we are in it at a very, very similar stage. Um, but before we dive in, could you introduce yourself to the listener? Yeah, of course. My name is Guyana Aramian, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I have an office in Sherman Oaks, California, and I see clients in person and virtually as well. Um, I started out 
kind of working with women and specializing with working in women uh, with anxiety, depression, grief, relationships. But I was also very passionate about uh, relationships and couples work because I've been with my husband since we were 16 years old. And because of that, because of how much we had to work on ourselves to make sure our relationships stay strong, I was very curious about how others' relationships work and how I can help other couples uh, maintain that strength and love in a relationship. After I became a mom, which is now two and a half years ago, I realized how much I didn't know about this postpartum period and how much I was suffering through that. And so after that, my focus became working with women are pregnant and preparing them for this postpartum period, as well as women who are in it. And now, now that I'm in toddlerhood, I'm like, wait a second. Now I need to talk to moms who are going through this because this is a whole right. new stage. Yeah. So I'm I'm so excited to to dive in and we share sort of similar muses to our work that going into motherhood at these different stages and just re- recognizing how unprepared we felt. And also, I know you and I will dive into this, like how how triggering uh, motherhood can be, how it can just bring up so much stuff for yourself individually, for your other roles and relationships, for your partner relationship in particular. And so I'm really excited to, to dive in here with you. Thank okay. You. So for context, for the listener, um, my youngest is two and a half right now, as is uh, your your toddler's two and a half as well. Mm-hmm. And we're in the thick of it. I have two older children, and so I've been through the toddler years before. I have a tween and um, a, another school-aged kid. And so I have the perspective of like how <laughs> it's not always – like the season changes, right? And the challenges shift. But – I will say the toddler years are in some ways my favorite because they're so dang cute and I have I have also the perspective of how like they don't always need you in the same way and you know the cuddles and the snuggles changes their little voice gets deeper they don't have those little same quirks that they used to have like for instance right now my toddler, um, the way that she asked to be carried, <laughs> like, so she, she hears me say, do you want me to carry you? And so then mm-hmm. she repeats, I'm going to carry you. But the way she says carry sounds like kill. So she, <laughs> like the other day we're in Target and she wanted me to carry her and I couldn't, I wasn't going to carry her throughout Target, but she, didn't, she also didn't want to go in the push cart. And so she's having a full blown meltdown on the ground screaming, I'm going to kill you because she's trying to say, (laughs) I'm going to carry you. And she just, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And like everyone's staring. And I'm just like, I mean, (laughs) you know, the moment was stressful. I was definitely sweating, but it's also like, it's also this really cute thing that she says that like, I know one day she's going to learn how to say like, can you carry me? Or she's not even going to ask to be carried anymore, you know? So I have that perspective, but it's so, it's so, it's so cute. The snuggles are cute. Her little breath and head smells so good. Like there's the way she dances, like these little things, like I, I never want to forget, you know? And, mm-hmm. and this season is so hard. Like it, there's, there's, it's no surprise that there are these 
are these businesses that have like have fully focused on like how to like you know support Same toddler issue. tantrums <laughs> yeah and how like what toys like to buy to get your kid because like one you want them to like you know like de- you know develop and like have like build these skills but you're also just like what what is going to fix this because this is freaking hard you know <laughs> and so I get it um and and I love I love the resources um but it's also it's also just I think so important to name um, the wildness of this season and, and some of the things that I'll name and then I want to pass mm-hmm. it over to you that I know that are difficult in our in our home and for us right now with our toddler is yes the the tantrums and like just like how um, like how unreasonable it seems sometimes you know where it's like dude you already like I already gave you like the fruit snacks and now you're like having a full-blown meltdown that you can't have like more or like the chocolate you know the chocolate chips or something or you know just like you said you wanted a banana and I peeled it the wrong way and it's just like you know it's like so it feels so unreasonable and obviously I know like from the science of it and toddler development child development like it's it's this is just the way their brain works right and it's totally developmentally appropriate but it's it's frustrating as a human who like is you know um, trying to engage with uh, you know a little Neanderthal it seems like at times, and and then there's also like just the I feel like I'm constantly getting up like I sit down and then I'm constantly getting up oh, right those Apple watches or Fitbits like it'll tell you how much you're moving <laughs> I'm like wow. yeah That's like so I get funny. I sit down and I get right back up exactly mm-hmm. um, there's the safety mental load like part of the reason I'm always getting up is because you know if she does give me a little bit of space, which, you know, is rare, it's like, wait, what is she getting into, you know? And then their, their, like, their diet changes, like pickiness can become a thing that you start to notice even more of when it comes to food. Naps and sleep can, you know, now maybe they're not a newborn, they're sleeping through the night potentially, but like that, like there's, there's, their their brain is exploding. So sleep might be off. Like, are they, are they napping? Are they not going to nap? Like, when do I, when do we drop the nap? And oh my gosh, are we dropping the nap? There's potty training. There's so there's so much, right? And so, and all the germs, because like they don't like, they're not conscientious of like, you know, covering their mouth or like washing their hands or like not touching the thing that this, this not like the, the child with the boogers just touched. Like they're just, so there's bringing home so many germs. There's a lot, there's so much. Um, and they can communicate, but they're still learning, right? How to communicate their, their Mm -hmm. needs, their feelings. And so it's a lot. And yeah. Would you add anything to that in terms of like what you're just like in your home, right? Like your kid, like what is like, what's, what are you experiencing? All of it. Right. I, I think, I think um, the biggest is the tantrums. And I, I a hundred percent agree for me, this stage is, definitely the best because there is this communication that happens and love and the goodnight kisses and oh one more hug oh one more kiss and I 
my kid is a sour patch, like sour than sweet. Before bedtime, he's like a tornado and he's, I'm just like, oh my God, when is bedtime coming? And then you put him in bed and he's like, can I have one more kiss? Can I have a hug? And I'm just, we, we walk out of the bedroom like melting because of how cute that whole moment is. And then you forget about the tantrums. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, handling these different moments of when they're in school in this sixth season that has been just week after week. I think my my son has been sick for since he started preschool on and off um, dealing what comes with that. And, you know, I didn't know that after they get better from being sick a whole week, you need a whole week to get back into the routine again. A whole week needs to be back into the sleeping and the eating normally and behaving. Uh, So that is a lot. And I think the biggest shock for me is how much of your own, how you were parented comes out in this stage. Yeah, totally. It's like trigger after trigger. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, when... When I first became a mom with my oldest, so like over a decade ago, the newborn postpartum year definitely brought up stuff that I, you know, were triggers and needed to like go back to therapy and address, um, particularly around like perfectionism, control, and people pleasing, difficulty asking for help, those sort of things with just like all the, you know, sleep deprivation and and, and like the desire to like have the perfect birth and breastfeed and be the perfect mom, you know, like it might in that first year. So it, it, it brought up stuff for sure. But then it really was once she became this like walking, talking, has needs, feelings coming out, like extension of me that felt like this yeah. representation almost of these things that, you know, I had, I had learned to like shut down in myself, like you know, like meltdowns and feelings just spewing out. And it definitely became, yeah, this experience of, of just like seeing the parts of myself that I had kind of learned Mm -hmm. to shut down a little bit. And, and it's not just you, right. That's like, not only am I supposed to be aware of what's coming up for me, but also for my husband and what's coming up for him and his childhood and my childhood and my child's childhood. It's, it's so much to navigate. It is. Okay. Yeah. You're naming so much here. And, and on top of that, like if you're a working parent, right? Like what it means to have now this other thing in your life that's important to you beyond work and the quote unquote balancing of those pieces, friendships. All right. So Talk us through this. Like, what what have you learned? How are you supporting the parents that you're working with? Um, I, I imagine a part of this is your own work, and then how you're translating this, what you're learning, and how you're translating this into supporting others. Like, where where do we start here? Yeah. So I think I mean definitely as a clinician, it's so important for us to do our own work uh, to really understand the depth of this. Um, so my own therapist, God bless her. I definitely need her (laughs) in these times um, to help me really understand where the triggers come from. And so when I do my own work, I also, you know, take that with me when I see my clients and I am very open, especially 
it's interesting how it works. Most of my clients also have two-year-olds. Um, and so we're in it together and I'll share sometimes, you know, when it's appropriate and I'll let them know that like, hey, I'm literally dealing, I just had a morning that was just made me want to pull my hair out. Um, and it makes my clients, you know, I've asked them like, is it okay to share this? And they always say, wow, like you even go through this? And that's such a big moment of like, uh, yeah, yeah, I go through this too. And I really want to make my clients feel like you're not alone in this. Mm. Um, these yeah. things that happen, even though as a therapist, we know logically, right? We know the things, we know the science behind it. We know what's the right way. When you are emotionally triggered in that moment, logic is out the window. I don't so remember true. any of the tools, <laughs> but through enough training and working through it. Yes, I definitely have moments where I have to go back and repair and I'm not proud of, but then I have moments where I take a moment and I have to really think about what's happening here. Most of the time, the reason why I lose it or the reason why I don't react how I would want to is because my cup is empty. Hmm. And I think that's a huge part of this that I didn't know before becoming a parent before going into the stage is how important it is to have your cup filled because yeah. all day long as a parent we are pouring out as a parent as a partner as a you know when you have your own business and whatever work you do in every aspect of your life you're pouring out and so when my cup is empty yeah i'm very short-tempered and i might take a minute and say mommy's having big feelings right now and i need a moment to repair and come back in a better place. Um, but I think that's a big realization for me. The other day, my husband and I went on a date. And when we were, you know, it was kind of a last minute thing. And he was like kind of stressing about like, what are the kids going to eat? Like, because whoever, you know, who was watching them? Like, are, are, do they know, like, are they going to be able to feed them? Like, do we need to figure this out? And, and I was just like, they'll be fine. Like they're like, you know, it was, it was grandparents, like they're high functioning adults, like they'll figure it out. Um, and even if it's like not, it's even if it's like ketchup and ice cream, like there's nutrients in that, like they'll be fine. And he looked at me and he was like, you are fierce about this. And I was like, no, this is actually a representation of a lot of my growth of like, I used to, when I spent time away from my children would feel like guilty or when I would have feelings or thoughts of like, I want a break from these kids of feeling shame. Like there's something wrong with me that as a mom, I would have those sort of thoughts or feelings. But, you know, we were talking even about going on a trip and he was like, really? Like you think four nights? Like maybe we just should just do three. I'm like, no, no, I need four nights away. And he was like, this is you being fierce again. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I think that I spend so much time thinking about the kids and when I'm with them, giving to them from myself, mm -hmm. that when I spend time away from them, right? Like I, I know that I need that in order for me to come back and carry like you know have, have them in my mind and be present with them and be able to show up as the best version of myself if that makes me fierce then i want to be fierce and i want you and the listener to be fierce too if that means recognizing that you have needs and that you deserve space to meet those needs and yes so you can show up for your kids and those you love but also just because you are worthy of that and you know he said this teasingly but it brought up a really important conversation between the two of us 
One, I think that I tend to carry more of the default parent role in our family. Even something as simple as when somebody sends a text about like the kids, like picks up, pickups, drop-offs, like school stuff, mm -hmm. they might just text me. And I'm going to communicate to the school, to these people, hey, can you email or text both Dave and I? Because... I want to start to share this load more with him, right? Or like, here's some things that are just for like just for him to take, and I'm not going to try to micromanage control, because I do think that for him, he's like when when, we, when we're away from the kids, he's spending time thinking about them, and yeah. and and I'm like, I've I've done some work to recognize I spend so much time thinking about exactly. them that I need not only a break but to share some of the thinking of them with you. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So that that mm -hmm. definitely brings up that piece for me. And you know, there's there's. I mean, we can talk hours about this. There's so much. Um, you know, it's not just tantrums and it being hard emotionally. This brings up a whole other thing of the reason why this whole self care thing is so hard for moms is because we didn't grow up. Most of us didn't grow up seeing our own moms do that for themselves right what we saw is and of course there's you know maybe someone did have a mom who took care of themselves but most people grew up with moms that sacrificed sacrificed didn't take care of themselves also culturally that matters i know in my culture i'm armenian and moms are very all about like you know hosting and doing things for others and making sure their kids are fed and like in all ways and taking care of yourself is on the back burner. It's not there. And when it is there, it's like, oh, you're doing that. And not just culturally, but as a woman, any woman, right? Like that's a big thing. A woman taking care of herself all of a sudden becomes like, well, what about your kids? Don't you want to go back and see them? Don't you miss them? And yeah. that's where all of this comes from. It's this guilt. The guilt comes from because this is something that's been generationally passed down. And so I think we're in this generation that wants to really break that. But then that voice in our head says, but no, don't you want to spend time with your child? What about your child? And it's like, no, if I spend time away, I am going to come back and be a better version of myself. Yeah. I'm like very big on promoting trips, by the way. So definitely take that trip. <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna do it, and we're gonna do four nights, maybe more. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, I saw so I saw a TikTok recently that was like funny, but also not funny. That it was like it was like point of view that break you get from your kids between closing the door after you strap them in and walking around the car to get to the like get to your seat and I was laughing because I <laughs> it's another moment I think my husband made fun of me like I, I strapped the toddler in she was safe like she didn't want to be strapped in I closed the door I remember looking at him and just being like oh, silence <laughs> yeah, silence as I walk to the other side. And again, he's like, you know, like, okay. And I'm like, no, but, but that's not like, that's, that's a signal to me. Like if that feels like a break, like just closing the door and not have and not hearing the, the crying for like that little walk to the other side of the car, like that's not enough, you know? Um, but I think what it, what that felt like a representation of for me though, was like, I related to it. And I was like, yeah. oh, but that's like, there are these signals that I've become more aware of that mm -hmm. are 
indicating to me, hey, like we are like if we keep going at this at this rate, you are going to blow up, right? Like you are going to like I'm a in my stress response, I've I fawn until I fight, which means that like I'll put others' needs before my own, others' needs before my own until I can no longer do that and I need to make things stop so that I can feel like a separate human being, so that I can like regulate my nervous system, so that I can address how overstimulated I feel. And I'll do that sometimes through like rage, right? Because if you yell then it makes the people around you stop or freeze like in their own sort of stress state, right? Mm -hmm. To make things stop, to like protect myself. And that's not, that's not how I want to show up for the people that I love, right? Because they're the ones that tend to get, receive that beyond the receiving end of that Um, Mm -hmm. or the dog, poor dog, you know, (laughs) like, but it's, it's, so I have to pay, I have to I identify the the piece that I think is also really important that you shared earlier of just like your clients saying, you go through this too. Because I think that there is in that moment a really important piece of being able to recognize there isn't something wrong with me as a yeah. human being. This doesn't make me a bad person. Like this just is, this just means that I have unmet needs, right? Mm-hmm. There isn't anything wrong with me and there isn't anything wrong with my kid. Like being able, because like that tends to be like uh, something that comes up in my own head, right? Is like, what's wrong with me? Or like, what's wrong with them that like they're having, that they're acting like this, right? So if I can, in that moment, recognize I'm not alone in this, right? Like there's others that experience this. There isn't anything wrong with me, nothing wrong with my child. Then I might be able to have more access to recognizing this is a a signal of an unmet need. And I might Mm -hmm. not be able to figure out what that need is right in this moment. I might just be, you know, in this moment, recognizing it and doing my best to get through that moment with presence and some patience. And if I don't come back and repair that, but then like I need to come back and I figure out what, what is it that I'm needing here and where can I go or who can I ask to meet that, Mm -hmm. help me meet that need. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, besides the cup being filled, yes, that I think impacts how we respond to in the moment, but also what is behind the trigger, right? If it's about, you know, you tell your toddler, please don't do that. That's not safe. Please don't do that. And then they get, they hurt themselves. I mean, growing up and in my culture, you parents would get upset at you for getting hurt after they told you not, like, you see, you got hurt, right? And when you like think about it, you're like, what? why would you get upset at that? The child is hurt, like they hurt themselves. But in the moment, then it becomes in your brain, I must control the situation, I must protect my child. Mm -hmm. And it becomes so overpowering that instead of focusing on, you know, comforting your child that just accidentally a two year old hurt themselves, we become so overpowered, well, I must fix what like what happened to me as a child. Yeah. 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 I think that these, these moments can, there's so much happening in these moments, right? Which is what I think is important for us to recognize and name. Like in a moment like that, there's, there's all the things that you experienced, right? Um, You know, uh, 
for like my husband, I think that when like maybe he would have gotten hurt, there may have been like, because <laughs> I've, I've seen it, like, like oh, like you're fine. You're okay. You're okay. You don't need to cry. It's all good. Or like, you know, or and I know other people may have experienced things like, you know, big, big boys, big girls don't cry. Um, or, you know, like I told you, like, this is what happened, you know? Um, and, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> the, the natural consequence is it, it's already, it already occurred, right? Like the cause and effect of like, I did this and I ended up getting hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in that moment, what I hear you saying is that, you know, what our child needs is, um, validation that like the, they're having this feeling and that this feeling in their body is mm-hmm. real and that we're, we can hold space for it. It's not something that we are going to tell them they have to shut down or it makes us uncomfortable or, right, like, or it's wrong so that they can trust the feelings that are happening in their body and, and that they can let it out um, and experience, like, love and affection during that moment. And, right, like, and that we as parents are are going to also set boundaries. And so being able to kind of manage how, how do I hold boundaries and set boundaries without it like coming out as like needing to control everything and that when something happens out of my control that then, right, like I'm going to have this, you know, triggered response or reaction to it, right? Because kids still need boundaries. Like that yeah. they need that to feel safe just as much as they need their feelings to be validated to feel safe, right? Yeah, I think that's the misconception with this whole gentle parenting approach is that there's still boundaries just because it's not yelling or other forms of disciplining. um, There's still very clear boundaries. And I'm very, you know, I, I, yes, of course, we have moments where we yell and we lose it. And every parent has that. But I always try to go back to, okay, what is his need? How can I comfort him? How can I, um, guide him through this emotion and look even for me uh for the longest time the crying the tantrums I realized that sub like subconsciously I was trying to stop the crying even though I wasn't saying it I was trying to like let him cry yeah I was like doing everything to distract him and then through my own work you know I I questioned and my therapist questioned where is that coming from? And it was this idea that crying is triggering because yeah. as a child, I was told not to cry and that crying is weakness. Yeah. And so now I was bringing that into my own child. And so I had mm-hmm. to take a moment. Yeah, of course, like when we're running late to school or we need to rush out, I might still distract him just to like speed up the yeah. process. <laughs> but when we have the time um, and we're home mm-hmm. and he's tantruming, I'm going to sit there and let him feel and give him the tools of, and no, he's not taking deep breaths yet. He's two and a half, but I keep trying to show that to him. And I'm hoping one day it clicks, right? That that will be his first response. Right now it's like throwing toys and, you know, doing their little wiggle <laughs> that they do. Um, but that's my job is to really guide him. And I, my biggest thing, especially, you know, as a boy, because a lot of boys, and I mean, I was told as a girl not to cry, but a lot of boys are told to hold their emotions. Hmm. And, and I I was an anger management facilitator for groups, and most of my classes uh, were with men. 
And they were court-ordered men, meaning they didn't want to be there. They had to be there. And after like the fourth, five session, we really got into the feelings and, you know, talking about emotions. And all of a sudden they realized that I was told as a kid to not cry. So now as an adult, the only way I know how to express my discomfort is through anger. Yeah. Yeah. I am one of my like one of my there's plenty plenty that I you know don't share as well but like one of my uh moments as a mom that brought up um feelings of shame for me um not my not a highlight moment was saying and I've probably said this to each of my kids (laughs) like at different periods of time when they are like having a big emotion these words have come out of my mouth before like it gets harder than this, right? Like, dude, it gets harder than this. And I think that that feels like such a representation of what it is in these moments that we're trying, that we feel like we're trying to protect our kids from, right? Like yeah. it's it's like that if they're getting upset about something that to us feels like not important or unreasonable, right? In our mind, it's like the we, we, we know as adults, like, the, like, life gets hard. Like, there's going to be bigger stressors than the fact that, like, you can't, you know, put the battery in your mouth. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do that, right? Like, we do come in with our boundaries to, like, you know, keep them safe. Yeah. And then they get upset. And in our mind, like, we have this perspective of, like, how hard life can be and also the history of, like, shutting – of, like, learning that we need to shut those parts of ourselves down, right? It pushes people away or people don't like that or, you know, it's it's invalidated, so maybe it's wrong that I'm feeling this, all those things. And it is, like, this fear of, like, it gets harder than this, so I, so I know – people can think, and I have at moments felt that trigger of like, I need to shut this down. I need to toughen them up, right? And prepare them for the world by, you know, gosh, in that moment telling them, dude, it gets harder than this. And it's like, you know, for for, for that child in that moment, that thing that they want is, is, so important to them. Like this is their world, right? Like this is the thing that they, you know, and and whether it's the banana peeled in a certain way, or it's just to have some agency in their life when like a lot of decisions are just made for them, like that is important to them, right? And this is their world. And actually, you know, and again, like through the work that I've, that I've done for, for myself and the resources I've accessed and learned about, like recognizing that the way I actually can prepare my child for the world so that, you know, oh, they don't, you know, they're going to be in therapy regardless. I hope that they are, right? I hope that they seek out that support. But like, you know, not in an anger management group because yeah. that's the only emotion they feel comfortable expressing, right? The way that I can do that for them now is through validating their experiences, right? So that they can, they can, that they can, that they can let it out, right? That I, like, I feel this thing and my feeling is real, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that my feeling as they grow older jumps in the driver's seat, right? But they can have a compassionate relationship with their emotions where they can listen to those parts of themselves and still feel like they're, they can regulate, right? And because they also hopefully saw a parent who was able to model that to them, like caring for themselves, like having boundaries and, you know, 
and like you said, being able to <laughs> breathe and and find ways to to soothe their nervous system and meet their own needs. That's mm-hmm. going to prepare them for the world because, yeah, it's going to get hard. There's going to be hard stuff. But <laughs> telling my kid in a moment when like that chocolate chip cookie is the most important thing to them, that it gets harder than this, no. Nah. Not, not my finest moment, but I understand that like that feels very representative of like what it is that we're kind of afraid of for our kids mm-hmm. in that moment. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree, and I've had so many of you know not so proud moments, and um, you know, and you. Tr- I think repair is so important. That's the oh, most important yeah. part in all of this because we didn't. I, I didn't get it. No, you know, nobody I know got that as a child, not because, and I, and I always want to say this, that we, I don't blame parents. I never, you know, yeah. they did the best they could with the information that they had and the resources they had. 100%. God knows what our kids are going to say, you know, 20, 30 years from now. About us. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because this is what I know now. And this is what I'm trying now. And, you know, I, I got the feelings chart, of course. And at first my husband was like a feelings chart, like, (laughs) and he's, he's very supportive of all the things, but of course he's still his own, he's not a therapist and he's own, he's his own person. And at first he was like a little iffy about it. And now my son like knows the feelings. He knows like sad and mad, like he can identify it. But then I was in the other room the other day and they were together. And all of a sudden I'm hearing my husband go, look at the chart. Is this what you're feeling like? No, what is it that mm. you feel? And I just had a moment of like, this isn't just about my son, but even the relationship that he's having mm. with his dad, it's, that's not something most adults got as kids. The best part is seeing my parents, you know, in our families. And let's say, um, my son is sad and I'll be like, are you feeling sad? And then my mom on the side is like, he's not feeling sad. You're not feeling sad. right?" I'm like, no, it's okay that you're feeling sad. And it's like Mm. such a big deal that like you're allowing your child to feel sad. Mm. Right. Yeah. No, it's the goal here isn't to make our kids happy all the time. Right. Like, um, but to be able to, feel their feelings and name their feelings and to be interested in maybe even the data or information that their feelings are offering them about their the world around them or the thing that they're experiencing. And our emotions, feelings don't always get it exactly right. You know, like for instance, anxiety sometimes can mistake a um, – meaningful risk for a dangerous threatening risk right but like we we can we have opportunities to help our kids it, to name i think i'm feeling anxious and i think this is why you know um like my my daughter the other day was feeling nervous about something at school and her legs were shaking and because of the con- and she's 11 so right like many many years of being able to have these kind of conversations with her but for her to say I, her legs were shaking. She's like, mom, I think my body thinks that it's being chased by a lion, you know, like, um, and, and I was like, and that was her way of basically telling me that she was nervous. And so then we had a conversation about it. And, and the fact that she was able to even communicate to herself, my body thinks that there's a lion chasing it, but there's not, you know, and, and then it opened up dialogue for us to have a conversation. So she was able to say, these are the things that I'm experiencing and feeling instead of just holding it 
to fester in her body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned earlier how much of a supporter you are of like going on vacations and as am I. And like, I think that if we don't do, if we don't find a way to address the stress cycle, that's like, you know, the load that we're carrying and the stress that we're experiencing in between the vacations, right? Like a vacation can be great. It's like you go on the vacation and like you're that like empty cup that's been running on fumes. It's like fully can fill up, hopefully. And sometimes it's not even the case, right? But like it fills up. And then, but then if we come back to our day-to-day life and we're not finding ways to, yeah, like complete the stress cycle or address the stressors, right? Then, yeah, it's just going to, it's just going to head right back there. And so I've shared this before on the podcast. I'm going to share it again. Like, you know, two of my favorite books, I think really support diving deeper into these ideas is Burnout. Um, and talks a lot about completing the stress cycle and different ways that we can actually be doing that. And uh, Fair Play by um, Ivorotsky, which is all about this idea of being like, you know, the like default parent or, you know, the one that carries the load in the home and how we can begin to really experience, um, you know, shared responsibility, equity in our homes too. Um, and get help, right? And unload some of the things that we're carrying if you do resonate with being the default parent. And I have a podcast episode all about being a default parent too, if folks want to go back and and tune into that one. Um, But yeah, anything you would add to that piece of, you know, the stress cycle and stressors? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm just a huge advocate, especially with my clients. uh, And making that change to add self-care in uh, our weekly, just in our weekly, on a weekly basis, right? Meaning, can I look at my week and can I carve out, and I always start, I always say, start small. Is it, you know, 15 minutes? Is it maybe 10 minutes even to take a walk, a quick walk, or 10 minutes to do some sort of a meditation? there are so many little things that we can add to our day or once a week, something small. It doesn't have to be a vacation. You know, it doesn't have to be this big thing. Um, if you can't do that, if you can, and the only thing holding you back is the guilt, I will, I, I, I want to work on that and change that. Um, but, you know, if you cannot, then there are definitely still ways that you can increase um, and fill your cup through the day. And so I have my clients write down what are the things that fill you up because many people don't even know that, right? So you really need to take the time to think what makes me feel good. Um, <clears throat> is it reading a book? Is it uh, watching TV? Is it going on a walk? Is it talking to a friend? Is it going on date night? So first get clear about what it is that fills your cup and then implement it in your week uh, or in your day. And, you know, it's interesting how much filling your cup works. I mean, so I took a a big vacation with my husband. We went to Europe just recently, and that was a big deal. We've never been away for so long and definitely filled our cups, like especially in our marriage, definitely filled our cups to a point where when we came back, right, I think that Monday my son was going back to school and and we had a really rough morning. Of course, he was like having big feelings. He was like, where were you guys? And now he's letting all his feelings out to us. 
And for the first time in a very long time, my husband and I didn't argue in the midst of it. Because usually what ends up happening is we're judging each other's parenting or we get mad at each other. We're trying to, you know, it, it becomes a big thing. Um, but our cups were so full that yeah. we were just focused on him. We didn't blow up. We had like, we were like, okay, let's just get out the door. I texted my husband. I said, you know, that was such a different moment than it would be usually. And it was yeah. because we really filled our cup. Mm. And so yeah. now we need to work on maintaining it. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, one of the big things that I find that I do need is to be in my home alone, like <clears throat> to be in my own home, my own space without the kids around and, and, and also times without my husband around, right? Where it's just me in the house and like how I fill that time, right? Whether it is picking up just so I can like be in my house clean for a bit, right? Or not, or whether it's reading, right? Or like binge watching that new like Netflix show that I've been like meaning to watch, you know? Or like making a matcha and like just sitting outside and drinking it and like not scrolling on my phone for a bit, you know? Um, and then with my partner, yeah, like date nights, sex. And like in order for sex to happen, like a lot of other things need to be, need to, I need to feel like a separate human being outside of my parenting role. I need to like get there. And that means like I need him to take on some of the parenting load and like all, and all of those things just 100%. Then in the, those tougher moments with our toddler, right? Like I think I feel like I have more capacity for presence. We feel more like we remember why we like each other and it's easier to feel like you're on the same team, you know, um, in those moments when you've had that space. It's not much like when you talk about sharing parenting roles, you know, I mean, for me personally, if yeah, I am also the default parent and even if it means taking over bath time just for one night or if it's every night, great. Or taking my son to school. I remember like in one week, I asked my husband to take him to school in the morning. And that one morning filled me up completely. Mm -hmm. Like I was like in a great mood for days to follow. <laughs> just yeah. one morning. And so it doesn't, you know, if your partner is working all the time and they can't physically help all the time, even if it's one day a week and you get that time to yourself, it can make drastic changes. And, you know, I know that um, I have a family close by and there's, um, you know, with that, there comes a lot of these opportunities, right, for him and I to go on date nights and for these sort of things. You know, I think that if you don't have family around, um, I have a friend who does not have family around. And one thing that they have found supportive in their in their home for their family is with the friendships that they have, right? So mm -hmm. kind of like the, you know, the, cho the family that they've created around them, right? Through friendships, other families, you know, um, sharing the load in the sense like they'll like, they'll switch, they'll flip flop. It's like, okay, there might be one weekend where that family takes their kids so that they can just like be in their house alone and have like a date at home or go out, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then they'll take the kids, you know, um, another time. And, and I know that sometimes we don't have those friendships or we feel guilty asking, but I think that there's, there's stuff there that I know I support my clients in unpacking or problem solving around or figuring out. So sometimes, sometimes therapy can really be about these like logistical things of like, okay, I, I recognize I have unmet needs, but how do I address them? 
both because the logistics and because of the blocks that I have, like mental blocks, right? Um, trigger blocks, history blocks that kind of get in the way of me meeting these needs. Therapy can be a really beautiful place to, to do that work, right? Definitely. So with that, um, where can people, after our conversation and like them connecting with everything that you've said, where can people find you and what offerings do you have um, for folks who are, you know, in this season of life? Yeah, so um, you can find me on my Instagram at Therapy with Guyane. That's G-A-Y-A-N-E. And um, I'll actually be starting a support group for moms in the stage in toddlerhood. And it will start on February 1st. Amazing. Okay, I will share links where people can learn more and connect with you, whether they're interested in that group, which sounds incredible, or just learning from you and all the beautiful stuff you offer on social media for free, or just wanting to connect, you know, um, in your practice and for therapy. So thank you so much for coming on. I've so valued um, our time together in conversation. And, you know, we've got this. We've got this. But we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.